1: Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth.
0: Thank you for joining us on our final In-Depth of 2017. I'm Jane McMillan. Every new year brings changes, new laws into effect, and one of the most anticipated for 2018 is the full legalization of marijuana in California. Of course, medical cannabis has been legal in our state for years, but... In November of 2016, we passed Prop 64, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. And when that calendar officially turns to 2018, licensed cannabis businesses can begin selling to any adult. This law is also bringing some big changes to the way marijuana will make its way to the market, as well as the cost and accessibility. So to get all the specifics and the do's and don'ts of legalized marijuana in California... I'm joined once again on In Depth by Steve D'Angelo, longtime cannabis rights activist and CEO of Harborside Health Center, thought to be the largest and most respected medical cannabis dispensary in the nation. Steve D'Angelo, a happy early, happy new year.
1: Thank you so much.
0: We're a few hours away, but when that happens.
1: 1118 is going to bring in a new year. That's the new year that I've been working for for my whole adult life for more than 40 years. That's a tremendously exciting time for me.
0: Let's talk about what happens when the clock strikes in California. Will I be able on when you reopen after I'm assuming you're closed, Harpersides closed on New Year's Day as a holiday, (laughs) but on one, two, may I walk in and purchase marijuana?
1: Well, I'm 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 happy to announce that this year, for the first time in the history of Harborside, we will be open on New Year's Day. We will be opening early on New Year's Day at 6 a.m. Uh, in our Oakland location, uh, where I will personally be on hand to make the first legal sale of cannabis in the state of California. So yes, uh, what will happen in in some jurisdictions in the state of California? Is that existing some existing medical cannabis dispensaries will be allowed to begin serving medical cannabis patients and also adults? So that will happen at, at 6 a.m. in in Oakland. Uh, it will happen at 9 a.m. in San Jose. Um, uh, there will be really you should check with your you know your local city hall to find out with the status of your city. About 30 percent of the city's in California have authorized adult use dispensaries and uh, and they've issued in each one of those cities um, you know a varying number of licenses that will be available.
0: Okay so that's really the the crux of it. It becomes legal in the state of California in all uh, uses with some limitations on age and, and amount and all that but it really is up to the local jurisdictions that they have a mechanism or an apparatus in place to license dispensaries. Is that correct?
1: Yes. A local jurisdiction under the new laws has the option of completely banning any type of commercial cannabis uh, dispensaries or allowing medical only or allowing medical and adult use.
0: What is the distinction now then between uh, a medicinal dispensary and any other commercial operation to sell marijuana now?
1: So uh, what, what's happening on a temporary basis until July of this year is that the state will be issuing temporary adult-use retail licenses to any existing medical cannabis dispensary that receives authorization to do that from the jurisdiction that they're, that they're located in.
0: If I went to any retail space... Uh, to purchase, again, so called recreational marijuana. And I know you don't like that term, so we have got to come up with a different term than recreational use. Uh, non medical use. I would not want to get medical advice on using cannabis from a retail purveyor, correct?
1: Well, currently in the state of California, the only place that people can can get information about medical cannabis products uh, is in is in medical cannabis dispensaries. unfortunately, the the law post one uh, one is going to make the ability of any dispensaries to to give medical advice related to to the goods a much more limited than it was in the past. So uh, we are not allowed to to make medical claims about the efficacy of cannabis products, whether they're being sold to a medical cannabis patient or they're being sold to an adult consumer. Um, the, you know, these, the new laws are really wonderful from the point of view of the state of California and, and uh, people who are not medical cannabis patients. They are going to pose some significant challenges for for medical cannabis patients. Uh, The range of products that will be available is is going to be less than what it was before. One example, there will be a limit of 10 milligrams per dose on edible cannabis products. Uh, That applies to adults, that applies to medical cannabis patients equally. Uh, that uh, is, is a very significant reduction. Right now, we see you know, plenty of cannabis products that have 50 or 100 milligram doses that are often favored by medical cannabis patients. So that is, is, is going to, to be uh, an issue. Um, there's also going to be a very significant increase in taxes. Um, we are going to see around a 36%, 37% uh, combined tax rate in most jurisdictions once you add up uh, all of the taxes that are going to be applied by the state and the local governments uh, to cannabis it potentially could even be a little bit more than that only about 7% of that tax can be discounted for medical cannabis patients and in order to get the medical cannabis tax discount you must have must have a state issued medical cannabis card which costs $100 on top of the cost of a medical cannabis recommendation so
0: from your doctor to from get your the doctor. card
1: yes okay my guess and and I it doesn't make me happy to say this but my guess is that there is that for most medical cannabis patients in the state of California the reduction in the tax rate, from an economic point of view, is, is not going to make enough sense to spend the $50 to $100 for a doctor's recommendation and then the $100 on top of that for the state card. And the range of products that you are going to be able to access as a, a medical cannabis patient are virtually identical to what you would be able to access as an adult.
0: But the, the knowledge base of where you're going to be getting this for medical purposes could vary widely now with the freedom of for, for more places to, down the road, be selling cannabis products?
1: So um, there, it's kind of a double-edged sword. There will, be a, there will be increased access to cannabis for, for more people. But the information which can be given along with those cannabis products is going to be reduced in scope quite markedly by the new regulations. What I think is going to happen, what I hope happens, is that third-party um, platforms emerge to provide that kind of consumer education that cannabis licensees, by regulation, are precluded from offering. But companies who do not hold cannabis licenses will be free to uh, offer advice, will be free to offer product reviews, and, um, and I, I think that that's how how, that, um, how how we're going to deal with that challenge.
0: If you're just tuning in, my guest is Steve D'Angelo. He is the CEO of Harborside, currently medicinal marijuana dispensary. And in a matter of hours, Steve will be there as the clock strikes. And early in the morning on January 1st, we'll be selling legal marijuana uh, to anyone in California, I'm Jane McMillan. Let's talk a little bit about uh, more about that. You mentioned the the taxes, and let's talk about the state apparatus that has been put into place to allow this to happen, and and it was put together uh, uh, the framework um, in order to kind of get the feds off of our back about medical marijuana, to have some framework in place about some regulation or some licensing, and so. Now that it is expanded to all marijuana being legal in California, how is this mechanism, how is this apparatus going to work? What happens to growers? What about uh, quality control? I know that Harborside, you have your own lab that has been testing for quality. Are all labs going to be state-run now, or how is this whole thing going to work?
1: The the largest, most significant change is that from now on, every portion of the legal cannabis supply chain is going to be licensed and regulated by the state at the state level. Whether you are a grower, whether you're manufacturing products, whether you're testing those products, whether you're distributing those products, whether you're a retailer, you must have a state license. That's true. Uh, for adult uh, cannabis as of 1-1, and it will be true for all cannabis as of July of, of 2018. One of the biggest issues here is that it's a dual licensing system, and so before anybody can get a state license, they must have a local license. Many jurisdictions across the state are still working through their licensing process. Some jurisdictions have made a decision not to allow any type of legal cannabis industry uh, whatsoever. So there's, uh, there is going to be a lag time before we see all of these changes go into place. And they will vary from town to town, from county to county, from city to city. Each jurisdiction will be able to craft a model that's more appropriate for, for their community.
0: So, what happens to current growers? Current uh, uh, you know, to get into this system? Who transports the from from the growers to the labs, and then from the labs to the dispensaries? Who this is going to be set up similar to other uh, controlled products like alcohol and tobacco? And that add, if so, that adds a layer of middle men and women to the process.
1: Yeah. The, the simple answer to your question is that, is that transport between the various different parts of the supply chain is going to be handled by licensed distributors, with the exception that any cannabis company is also allowed to obtain a distribution license and, and it can self-distribute its own products. So um, uh, it will that that cannabis company would have to meet the same types of requirements and standards that any other distributor would for secure vehicles and safety. So if you are a grower today, uh, you are going to uh, need two licenses moving forward. You're going to need to get a license from your local city or county that you live in, and you're going to then need to get a state license. One of the biggest challenges facing us in the coming year is that Relative to the number of growers that there are now supplying the medical cannabis system, only a small fraction of them have obtained licenses. And we're expecting to see a pretty significant supply constraint for that reason in the first year or two years of, of the cannabis market.
0: Is this going to uh, weed out the small grower I mean, is it going to be possible for the small growers who were doing kind of you know, farm-to-table field-to-dispensary marketing and delivery? Is, is that just no more? The, co- the cost, will that prohibit the smaller growers? And will we see more of an industrialized uh, cannabis production in, in California?
1: I, I don't think that, it, that, the, that the new structure is going to make it impossible for small growers to survive. There are thousands of, of growers who have applied for and been granted uh, licenses in the Emerald Triangle. The main factor for small growers is going to be whether or not their county, whether or not their city chooses to issue licenses, uh, assuming that they do and that they don't make the conditions for those licenses too onerous. I think that that small growers will have a place in the marketplace. Um, That said, all growers, no matter whether you're a small grower or a larger scale grower, you're going to have to be very efficient. Uh, One of the things that we have not really had in the marketplace yet is, is open competition. And as growers need to compete with each other, the pressures are are going to weed out the least efficient growers. So um, uh, when the world of cannabis was small and fragmented, when we were all hiding underneath the bushes and we couldn't let people know where we were, everybody's world of cannabis was limited to a few hundred people. But now all of those worlds are opening up to each other. They're competing in a larger marketplace. So it's not enough just to grow really great cannabis you need to grow really great cannabis at a competitive price. And you need to be able to do it in a way that's going to meet testing protocols. And you need to make sure at the beginning of the season that you select the right strains to plant that are going to be popular in the following season. So it becomes, you know, it becomes a more sophisticated, more competitive environment for everybody.
0: We, we've seen uh, cannabis stock go up, go crazy so now we're looking at the potential of a massive industry and eventually nationwide. Can, can the states, who, which have already legalized it, uh, grow and trade amongst themselves now, between themselves? Or can we not cross uh, for commercial purposes? I know that I can't drive into Nevada and get pulled over and have cannabis in my car. But can commercial growers and producers do business across state lines.
1: Ah, hmm. now, now is, is, is when when our state laws collide with the federal government. And uh, with cannabis, uh, as with so much, California is light years ahead of the federal government, and, and so are many other states. So uh, the answer to your question is no. Uh, a cannabis which is produced uh, within one legal cannabis state must stay within that state. It cannot cross state boundaries. There is no interstate trade in cannabis at this stage of the game. There will be one day. And when that happens, it will be an industry that's worth 300 to $400 billion a year at a minimum. And half, my belief, is that half of that nationwide industry belongs to the state of California, if we play our cards right.
0: What will that entail, playing our cards right?
1: Just building a, a, a really competitive industry like we've done with everything else. So, you know, we we, we make better films uh, than anybody else in the world. We make better computers and better software than anybody else uh, better in the wine. world. Better wine. Uh, we develop more compelling brands uh, um, if we do that with cannabis. And there's every reason we should. We have the ideal microclimates for growing cannabis. We have a, an agricultural industry in the state that outproduces every other state in the, in the United States. We've got a supportive political environment. There's no reason uh, that we shouldn't be able to achieve that.
0: I'm just going to remind folks that we're talking about the soon to be legal cannabis industry in California, not just medicinal cannabis. But uh, as of January 1st, hours away, recreational or commercial marijuana for adult use only is going to be legal in California. And we have a longtime expert uh, in that area, Steve D'Angelo, with us. He is the CEO of Harborside and has been working to legalize marijuana for decades here in California. I'm Jane McMillan. Let's talk a little bit more about other places where federal and state law are going to collide that we should be aware of. Can't go to another state that doesn't recognize legal marijuana and have possession. Border crossings that are controlled, yes, by federal agents?
1: Yeah, so the general principle to be aware of is is that wherever there is federal law enforcement jurisdiction, cannabis remains illegal, right? that's true in national parks that are within the state of California. It's true in federal courthouses. So, the the U.S. courthouse in downtown San Francisco, that's federal territory. Don't go walking in there with a joint in your pocket because you could be uh, arrested. Border patrol uh, checkpoints, uh, federal jurisdiction, uh, they can and they probably would arrest you if they found you with with cannabis at at one of those uh, checkpoints. So, Um, uh, Be aware uh, if you are a a cannabis consumer of of what jurisdiction you're in and what the laws are there. And and as as more and more states across the country have reformed their cannabis laws, it becomes there. Fortunately, there there are more and more places that you can travel to, and you don't need to worry about the cannabis laws in those places. So when I travel from California to Colorado. I don't worry about bringing my personal levels of cannabis with me, even though airports, most airports, are federal jurisdictions. The TSA relies on local law enforcement to to make arrests. Um, they don't have local law enforcement uh, power. So if you're flying into a city or if you're flying into a state that uh, cannabis is legal in, or if you're a medical cannabis patient and you're flying to a, a medical cannabis uh, state that will rec- that will recognize your out-of-state recommendation, then you're safe.
0: You know, there there remains concern about legalizing any substance, uh, especially when it comes to driving, and there are still no tests that I know of in place where a law enforcement officer can test for cannabis impairment. Um, and so that is going to be kind of a squishy area. Certainly, it's illegal to drive impaired with cannabis, just as alcohol or prescription drugs or anything else. But um, that's going to be that's going to be tougher for law enforcement for a while, and folks are concerned about that.
1: Yeah, so uh, let me um, give one public service announcement. For those of you who are new to cannabis, who are just beginning to, to, to get your sea legs, so to speak, please take some time. And when I say time, I mean a couple of years before you start trying to do anything with, with cannabis that might require a really quick response time. Uh, and a high level of alertness, whether that's an automobile or a piece of, of power equipment. Um, uh, what we find is is that over years of use, cannabis consumers uh, tend to be able to be more functional in a wider range of environments with a wider range of tasks. But in in your early experiences with the plant, you're going to be pretty profoundly affected. So, don't look at your brother who's been consuming cannabis for 10 years who jumps behind the wheel of a car and drives with no obvious impairment and think that you will be able to do it yourself. Okay, So pace yourselves, um, number one. Number two, I'll make it a little bit squishier because even though it, it, it is illegal to drive impaired, it is not illegal to drive when you're taking your medicine. Okay? So medical cannabis it makes that a little bit foggier. The good news is, is that in actuality, if you really dig down into the science of cannabis and driving impairment, cannabis is not anywhere near the um, impairment agent that alcohol is. And it, it functions in a, in a qualitatively different way. Um, many folks who have never experienced cannabis for themselves quite naturally compare it to alcohol and assume that the level of driving impairment would in, in intensity and in quality of effect be similar to what happened with alcohol. Actually, that's really not true. I'll give you one example. One of the best ways to detect that somebody is driving under the influence of cannabis is to look around for the slowest car on the road, uh, the, the, not the one that's going the fastest, as with alcohol, where the substance tends to make people a little bit more reckless and, and not really aware of what's going on with themselves, a little bit less self-aware. Cannabis intensifies self-awareness. It heightens self-examination. And so people, when they're driving down the road and they've consumed cannabis, uh, frequently most people, responsible people, are, are aware of that, and they, and they compensate by driving more slowly.
0: What about laws around growing one's own come January 1st?
1: So in the state of California, no matter where you live, you are allowed to grow six cannabis plants within your own home. Depending on the laws of your local jurisdiction, you may or may not be able to grow them outdoors. You may have to confine them to being grown indoors. This is really great news because legalization is going to bring substantial taxes and and high prices. And a lot of cannabis consumers who are at the uh, lower end of the income spectrum are going to be challenged by, by those price increases. So, any adult anywhere in California can plant six cannabis plants and grow them to maturity. Each one of those plants could yield you know, a, a pound or two pounds of cannabis, conceivably more than that. So any adult should be able to grow their own supply in, uh, of, of cannabis in California if the, if the cost of purchasing it in retailers is too expensive.
0: Any other concerns you have? I mean, we've talked about the cost, we've ca- talked about taxes, we've talked about a reduction in products available uh, compared to what is currently available for licensed medical dispensaries to offer. Um, any concerns about, I don't know, blowback uh, that that the widely available um, use of cannabis for folks who don't have experience with it or haven't taken it as a serious Uh, medicine before that there could be a pendulum swing or
1: I I really don't have any concern that there's going to be an adverse experience with cannabis legalization in in California legalization itself Um, what we'll see in California is what we've seen in every other legal market for cannabis that's opened up the rate of alcohol consumption drops the rate of pharmaceutical consumption drops the rate of fatal opioid overdoses drops. Violent crime drops. Traffic fatalities drop. We're going to see all of a domestic violence drops. Okay, We're going to see all of these same beneficial social effects in California that we've seen everywhere else. So I don't think that that's going to be an issue. My major concern in, in California, it uh, has really to do with two things. Uh, number one, that, that, that the tax and the cost structure in the legal market. Um, the, the, the very large tax increase potentially can be offset by reductions in the, in the price of, of the goods of cannabis, the underlying price of goods of cannabis and 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 that can happen but it only happens if we have larger efficient scale cultivation and manufacture of those products as as long as as all cannabis is is cultivated in, in small plots by small growers it's also going to be more expensive you just have more you have more mouths to feed so it's more expensive so my fear is that is that between the the supply constraint that i mentioned before and the and the tax increases that we may see a situation where prices on the underground market are so much lower than they are in the legal regulated retailers that we see an outflow to the underground
0: market so we might not get rid of the illegal marijuana trade right out of the gate
1: well we're certainly not going to get rid of it right out of the gate right um but really the you know the only effective way for us to to take the the oxygen out of the illegal market is to is to beat them in terms of the quality and the convenience and the price of of products that are offered, and today, right now, um, you know, consumers are able to access unlicensed delivery services. They the range of products that they get there is is less than 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 what it would be in a licensed retailer, and those products aren't tested, but they're also significantly lower lower price. As we see prices in the legal system go up, um, you know we we We're going to see folks like that who are are going to thrive. Um, the The way that we that we address that is by creating a regulatory structure that's going to allow the legal market to outcompete the underground market. I'm not sure that we have that structure yet. A lot is going to become evident in, in the course of the next year. The thing about you know any set of regulations, any new law is is that you know we as a society are doing this for the first time. Some things we're going to get right, hopefully. Some things we're not going to get right. So we just have to be open to to flexing and adjusting uh, in, in response to the circumstances as they unfold.
0: Steve D'Angelo, as always, thanks for your expertise, your time, and I wish you a happy new year.
1: You're you're most welcome, Jane. And, and I will be celebrating new year at 6 a.m. at Harborside uh, in Oakland with the first legal sale of cannabis, a moment that I have not been waiting for, but working towards my entire life. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Steve D'Angelo, CEO of Harborside Cannabis Dispensary in Oakland and San Jose. I'd like to take a moment to wish all of our in-depth listeners a very happy, healthy, and peaceful new year. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jane McMillan.
1: You've just heard KCBS In-Depth, a news interview program, Sundays at 8.30 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. And now available for download at kcbs.com. For all news, 740 and FM 106.9, KCBS.
0: Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app